Hello, I'm Simon Johnston. And I'm Vanessa Schmagara. And this is Icons of Relocation, an industry-leading podcast encompassing every aspect you could ever need to know about global mobility. In each episode, we'll be bringing you expert knowledge, hilarious anecdotes, and valuable information from our guests in the world of relocation. We hope you enjoy the show. This week, we'll be discussing our construct line together for the journey, what it means, why we've adopted it, and how it reflects our values as a company. Today, we have with us Sharon Duncan, our Operations Director for Icon Move. She has over 33 years of experience in the moving industry. And we're also delighted to welcome Steve McGarry as our guest on today's podcast. He's a senior talent mobility and HR professional and a consultant and a top 100 global mobility professional. So, Simon, hmm. excuse my voice. Um, <laughs> Sorry, we have to talk about your voice before we go any further. Uh, I don't know if anybody likes a rugby, but last weekend there was a rather big match between England and South Africa. A touchy point for you, I think. Well, just a touch, because we should have won it. Um, but anyway, um, you're the South African fan, I'm the English fan. Well, you've actually got two South Africans on this podcast today, because Sharon's also I'm another South African. Sad. You. <laughs> Very proud Damn South African. Yeah, Steve, I need you on the English side. Sorry, I'm gonna have to drive <laughs> you know, later. on the English side today, Steve. <laughs> anyway, sorry. Yes, I understand your husky voice. So. Yes, from Excellent. I Thank did you. the worst. I did the worst. I actually thought we were gonna lose. So after half, I turned my TV off and I said I can't watch this. Only to discover a little bit later when I googled who won. <laughs> so. I missed all the action. I won't be doing that again. <laughs> That's not a true South African, Sharon. <laughs> no, I had to. I had to. My heart couldn't take it. <laughs> well, yeah, it was a, it was a difficult one. So, anyways, hence my voice. It's it, it good. It's a little bit husky today. Um, anyway, so Simon, do you want to tell us a little bit more about Icons and new strapline and how it came about? Uh, you're delighted to. So for those who might be um, unaware at the moment, we did a, a full rebranding recently, which was an incredibly exciting experience to go through that and really get our message on points and get the website on points and get our services much, much clearer. Uh, and it was a really exciting thing. But one of the last things we did was to actually really focus on the strap line. And you might go, well, surely you'll start with that. But actually, we ended with that. Uh, and it, it took us a while to really focus on what the strap line should be. Who are we? What are we trying to do? How do we relate to our clients and our partners around the world? Uh, and after a while, the, the, jump line, the tagline just jumped out, which was uh, together for the journey. And it just really feels like us. It feels like how we operate internally, how we work with our clients and partners. Uh, and it really just defines everything we do from the home search side of what we uh, provide to our clients to the moving sides, whether it's actually uh, applying for a work permit, a visa, whether it's a schooling issue, whether it's actually any other particular service that we're doing, whether it's a technology, everything comes back to the together aspect uh, and supporting somebody on the journey, which is why I'm so excited by this chat today and actually having uh, both Sharon and Steve on here to really explore uh, what the together bit means. But that's how we actually came to it. Uh, and by those words, as I said, really define, I think, who we are. So I'm very proud of it. Brilliant. And as you say, it's not just about the client's journey, but the assignee's journey too. Right. It's, it's much more than that. It's, it's all about everybody's journey. So, I mean, everybody's on a journey. There's the company we are, the staff, 
on that, the relocating assignee, obviously, is on the journey, but so is the corporation that we're supporting. Everybody's actually on the journey, and it's recognizing that and just physically sort of bringing that on board and actually going, right, how can we help every single person throughout this whole journey and whatever they're trying to do? And when you have that mindset of saying, right, that is the heart of what we are trying to do and who we are, bringing that together, it becomes, again, repeating what I said earlier, uh, very exciting because it brings the whole thing to life uh, and really make that the epicenter of it. Uh, And I think it's something that the whole staff have adopted. The company have really sort of embraced that. Um, It's now part of our DNA. So in our DNA document, we make it very clear that's exactly who we are and what we are and how we express it to our clients. So, yeah, for some that came in right at the end of the day, it really defined us. Yeah, I agree. So, Steve, I know you're very passionate about people and supporting them in their relocation journey. So why is it important to you? Supporting them in their relocation journey. You know, one of the things we were talking about a little while ago was why we got into the, how we got into the industry and why we stayed into it. And, you know. Um, as most people, I kind of just fell into the industry. And then once I got into it, I really liked it. Why did I like it? It's very simple. Um, I, I enjoy helping people. What do I do? I help people. Um, you know, people, you know, it is, it has been noted numerous times that, you know, moving, whether you're an individual or a family is one of the most stressful things anybody can go through. Um, whether you're going to the, from, from here to the town over, or you're moving halfway around the world, you know, it is very, very stressful. Um, you know, the more miles you put between you and where your home is, the more stressful it can become, but those people need support behind them. And I am that support. And I've always found myself to be somebody who can actually listen and talk to them and help them through the journey because uh, of the tens and tens of thousands of people I've moved in my career. Um, you know, you can say you've seen everything, but you haven't. That's you true. have to have yeah. you have to have open eyes, open ears. You have to have an open heart to these people. You have to be the mediator between the company and themselves. Um, you have to be able to really be, you know, and everything for these people because you are the one who is in their direct line. You are helping them. You're the one who's responsible for it. Um, you know, Simon, going back to, to your new tagline, mm. um, one of the things I have always told my vendors when, when whenever I onboarded anybody um, is that I, I always looked at my vendors, still do look at them like an extension of my staff. And I treat them as an extension of my staff. Um, <clears throat> the only... Um, way that that works too is that i am completely open and honest with my vendors my vendors always know where where they stand with me um i once had a vendor actually tell me if if, whenever they get an email that says call me now they know they're in trouble Uh, (laughs) so not hearing from you is a good thing but if you need to call (laughs) i i I am in constant contact i you know i I did but it is it is the same with with anybody who has ever worked with me uh you know on the same team it's it's very open and honest people know where they stand with me um you know and 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 you know if if you have that same kind of mentality of of actually working together to make sure that the assignees and the transferees can move and, and, and you work as one, it will just make the process so much easier, not only for the assignee, but for your, for your clients. There is no doubt about it. 
um, you know, having having an open kind of environment from the client to the vendor is great because you always know as a as, as a vendor where you stand with your client, but it also has to be reciprocated back to where as long as you are open with uh, with with your client. It was one of those kind of things where the relationship should just keep growing and growing and growing. Definitely, yeah. Together for the journey, absolutely. Um, Icon is about a voice with the same commitment and empathy. We are together, we are part of the foundation, and we are heard, which is extremely important to me. Our ideas are are shared and discussed, and and they're they're brought to fruition. I've seen ideas that I've had where processes change, you know, have come to light. And we change our approach and adapt um, when required, which I think is really important as, as, a, as, a, as a company. It's, an inc- it's incredibly important to us that, that any part of journey that we are part of, we find the best solutions, work on the best ways to help the family reach their home and settle in as fast as possible. Um, what I can say, um, with Icon, um, and what I've seen is that we're all incredibly passionate about how we help and make a difference to anyone moving, whether it be a local or an international. I understand the journey, and I know how daunting it is to move. I moved over with three children, so I've, I've been there. I've I've worn that T-shirt, and I know how important it is to have that network and to have that person, as you say, Stephen, that that helps the families and and be their voice. It just it links them back to you know right place, right time, and right frame of mind. You know that's that's part of the whole journey experience. And um, as you say, Sharon, we're a very passionate company. We've got many passionate people that work here at Icon, um, and the journey is is from everyone, from internally through to our suppliers to external to the assignee to the client experience. Um, so. So, Steve, do you have any stories where relocation has failed to deliver and went where, you know, what went wrong and and, and what challenges you faced? You know, I, I think what comes about and where things can go wrong is is when people don't use the resources that are available to them. Yes. Meaning that um, I've always been there. My team has always been there. Um, you know, there, there are some operating groups, companies, uh, divisions that sometimes don't use the resources that are there, meaning us. Um, they try to do things on their own. They think they can do it on their own. And then something goes horribly sideways wrong. And then they've got to come to us and say, fix it. Mm-hmm. Um, and we will. We, we, we definitely, definitely will. Um, but, it, it, you know, we are the people who do this for a living. We know what we have to do. We, we really... Um, you know, we're, we're not we're not trying to overspend. We're we're not trying to take your job away from you. We just know the pol- the process of what has to be done. That's fine. You know, as I said, you know, we're the ones who are moving. You know, thousands of people a year. We we know what we need to do. Um, <clears throat> we know um, especially how to speak to these people. Um, we know what to say, when to say it. Um, we know when to you know talk about children when to talk about spousal support more partner support um we, we know the timing of the conversations uh we, we we have become almost uh therapists in being able to when speaking to somebody reading Definitely. their faces. well said 
Uh, one of the things, you know, it, it's great to have the telephone. Um, but um, one of the things I always like to do is try to get in front of the people that I was working with because that way you could actually read their face and read their body language. Um, and as you're speaking to them, you can see if they understand or they don't understand. You can see if they're a little anxious about something. Um, and that's where the whole therapist role comes into play. You can start digging on what you actually are seeing. Um, so uh, this kind of situation, um, you know, where, where um, you have Zoom or Teams or whatever the situation is, still helps a lot. It, it's a lot better than just being on the phone, and it's a, so much better than doing everything through email. Because with, with, with doing it all through email, what happens is you get one or two word answers and, you know, you just, you can't, you can't see what's going on and then something else can go wrong in, in the background. So, so I think, you know, how, how things don't work well is because people don't use the resources that are available to them. If people do use the resources, I think it makes the process much, much easier. I think mean, it's a really valid comment, actually, Steve, and I echo that. I echo that about emails as well. I read an interesting article a while ago uh, where it was talking about the fact that only 7% of the communication that you're trying to express uh, is received through an email compared to other vehicles. So it is clearly not the best way. Can I just ask a question, though, because it's really interesting what you're saying about making sure that so the relocating assignee gets the support they need. Uh, can I ask, what do you think it is that a relocation company can best do to help HR in those sort of situations? How can we be proactive to, to support people like yourself? Yeah, I, I, it, I think that comes back to um, the onboarding of a relocation company uh, into the, 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 the client itself, your client itself. Um, it, it's not just knowing what um, your job is supposed to be. As far as how are you going to do things, you know, this is the process that we expect. We're going to initiate. You're going to take it. You're going to contact. You're going to set up this. You're going to blah, 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 right through billing. I, I think one of the things that, that helps a lot, which um, has helped me with my relationships with some of my uh, suppliers, is them getting to know the culture of the companies themselves. Um, getting to know what kind of people we are working with, because quite honestly, you know, I've you know, two two of the different industries that I've worked in have been advertising and uh, finance, Wall Street financial services, and the people that we would be dealing with, you as my as my supplier would be dealing with, are two completely different kind of people. Hmm. You know, investment bankers and creative directors, you can't get more polar opposite than those kinds. <laughs> So you can't treat them the same way. You've got to be able to know the culture. You've got to know the people. You've got to know the understanding. You've got to, you've got to delve deeper into what the client actually needs from you to be a proper supplier and not just what's on the paper that you sign that says you're going to be doing. So, so I, I think that's what it is. It, it, it's understanding the culture of, of your client itself will help you be a better supplier to them. Yeah, I agree, Steve. I think that's where, you know, we're very keen on making sure that the onboarding experience is a good one for our clients as well for ourselves because we know that that's a stepping stone. That's a, the, it's a priority to get that right for us to ensure that we've got a good relationship set up, both, as you say, with the client, but also any suppliers that we're onboarding that we're working with too. Um, so that that is the key. I agree with you. 
good foundation, not, I think. Yeah. Yes, I was going to ask you, Sharon. What's do you have any sort of uh, others angle on that conversation? No, I would absolutely agree. I mean, we we obviously work with various accounts, and the way we handle each account is different. We approach them differently, and you would do the same with onboarding because their needs are, albeit they're moving, their needs are are the same, um, but they want it done in a different way. So. Um, you know, with regards to email communication, etc., I, I wholeheartedly agree. We we do a lot of our communication via Teams, which I think is an absolutely amazing tool because you get to see the assignee, you get to build up the rapport, you get to understand. I think the intro is so important because you 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 learn about what's important to them. It might not be the move; it might be that their children are settled in for school. Um, it might be that you know the animal needs to get there. In, in good condition, you know, because, you know, they've had them for such a long time. It could be anything that, that really resonates with the assignee that's moving. So for, for me, it's always finding, having that initial conversation, understanding the assignee as opposed to the account with onboarding, but the assignee, having that conversation with the assignee, understanding their journey, what's important to them, what they're concerned about, and discuss that from the onset so they've got the right level of support and also services in line that fall in line with their requirements. Because you moving is A to, to Z, right? But it's everything in between that's really important and that will change according to assignee's requirements. So for me, building that right level of service and scope based on the assignee's requirements is really important. And account-wise, vast difference between our customer line we can see that when we're moving people, when we're speaking with them, um, and how you interact with them as well. So, it's, so it's 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 amazing. I think that's why you can never get bored. Um, and also, not only are the assignees different, and we might just be moving, but it's not just a move. We're moving a family. We've got no idea why they're moving. It could be a forced move. It could be, you know, we've done some really sad moves. You know, where someone was an assignment, and unfortunately didn't come home you know so we need to understand and have that empathy and be there to support whatever the journey is and supporting comes in various means it's, it's not only the packing it's the customs it's understanding mm. what, what's important to the family um no that's a good comment and that resonates uh, yeah that's really yeah. important one more thing you know Please. Sharon, going back to what you were talking about the pets you know i don't think people understand sometimes how important pets are to the oh. family structure especially, especially when you know you've got a pet that's been around for 15 years i got a story about that um but especially when it comes to children because when children are moving their pets are paramount to them actually having a a, a good experience getting yeah. there in safely um i had a family who had uh, a pair of dogs um, that were 15 years old they were moving from london to toronto um the uh, the vet said that the pets would not survive the flight. So they had to figure out what to do. And the relocation company I was working for at that time was able to book the spouse and the two children and the two dogs on the Queen Mary to get them yeah. to New York where there was no room on the ship for the dogs at that point in time. And it might have been the QM2. But they were able to book it for them, you know, and then it was easy for them to drive from here, New York City, to Toronto. So th that's going over and above. And that's the kind of service that, you know, 
that 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 vendor understood what was paramount for this family to be able to get to the new location and get settled and and get themselves uh going so so yeah. that that is you know that is going over and above yeah strangely enough example. we've just we've just had a similar experience um with regards to pet moving we had a very similar experience with the dog that couldn't go and we've actually booked them on a ship we we were working with our pet providers but i think not only that it's how that has risen I mean, for me, when I started doing pet movements, I mean, I used to, in, when I was working in South Africa, I used to work for World of Birds and we used to do all these exotic animals flying all over the world with CITE certificates, um, you know, breeding program, which was amazing. Um, but today, you, you move a pet, we've just done this recently. We had a family that they unfortunately couldn't bring their pet from Moscow. This is what was going on. It took over a year for, for us to be able to do this. We kept that open. We kept the communication levels there, knowing that as soon as you're ready for your pet to move, the children were eagerly waiting. But every part of the journey, they got a photo. So wherever they stopped, they got a little photo saying, this is where I am now. I'm really happy with how my journey's going. I can't wait to see you. And the children actually followed that pet's journey. And it was just amazing. And we, And it could be as... We've just done a guinea pig, um, which was really important, you know, and just having that ability to be able to share, you know, their furry family friend journey is just so important for the family, for their children, because um, moving is stressful for adults, for children. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a whole nother level, you know, and I just feel it's, it's a whole scary world out there for them because they have to make new friends, go to new schools, have a new home away from their grandparents, away from what they know. So I, I can so tell important. you from personal experience, it is really difficult to be the new kid. Yeah, Shane, that's <laughs> terrible. And that's why I think if you're in this industry, you've got to have passion. You've got to care. You've got to have empathy. You've got to, and it's not about just moving people. We're moving their homes. We're moving their life. We've got to be part of that journey. We've got to be an extension of their family. We've got to be a extension of partners, family, part of their network. You know, we've got to show that um, we, yeah, whenever that we need them, you know, whenever they need to speak to us or concerns. And I think, that, and I honestly think that's what sets Icon apart because I feel that in, in the company, I think everybody that works there has a passion for what they're doing. It's not just a job. We're not here just to get paid because if we were, I, 30 years ago, I'd been kicked out of bed and gaining for an interview and then been forced to do something and then still being here 33 years later, I've been blessed to have this journey and been part of so many families' journeys. And I'm very, I mean, I'm very passionate about making sure that we have the right processes, have the right structure in place to be able to help their journey because settling in is so important and having that right structure in place for that family is really important. Steve, anything else to add to that? Because we've got a, uh, a question I'd love to ask you uh, about something different. But uh, any last comments before we move on to another topic? Yeah, I was just going to say, Sharon, it's the same thing that I said earlier. You know, the paramount reason that I've stayed in this industry is because I'm helping people. Yeah, and, and absolutely. If it, 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 you enjoy helping people, if that's what a passion is of yours, you know, this this is a good industry to be in. It really, really is. Yeah, totally agree with that. Can I ask you a sort of a sort of related question? Because obviously, relocating has changed. I would suggest sort of 
post the pandemic uh, in some capacity. But I'm just interested with your incredible experience on the industry. So what changes have you seen to the relocation or the size expectation since uh, COVID-19? Have you seen anything? Have people been maybe more reluctant to move or do they need additional support or assistance? Uh, Any sort of trends that you've identified? Uh, There was an initial reluctance because people thought that um, I've been doing my job from my home, not going into the office. Why do I have to move to X city, X state, X country? Why can't I just keep doing it here? Um, I think people have realized that for certain roles, that might be okay, but those roles are usually not the ones that you're being asked to relocate. Um, depending on the industry itself, you know, there, there are people, there are industries where people are required to be in the office, sitting across from their team members, working together. Um, and, and, you know, there are, there are a lot of companies that actually feel that, that, that their, their team works better when they're together. Um, and then for confidentiality, proprietary information, the work that needs to be done needs to be done in a secure environment as well. So, you know, you need to be in an office. I, I think what eventually has happened is that people have realized that, you know, it is not easy to be able to do your job when you're not in the same, the same time zone as your job. So they've eventually moved. Um, I think uh, people realizing that them having to pay taxes in two locations, whether it be two different states, two different countries, um, was uh, was was a reason why they decided to actually move. Um, You know, because uh, and then I think there are some companies that actually force people to move because they didn't want to have a permanent establishment set up for themselves in a country where somebody was doing a job for a different country. Yeah, and that was our next question, Steve, was around the tax-related issues with remote working. So, you know, what have you come across since since the the pandemic? You know, first of all, the pandemic, and when people started going all over the place, one one of the things we realized is that some of the policies that were put in place by some of the local regions were completely non-compliant. When it came to taxes, letting people do nice. things, but they were just one-offs here and there and here and there. When it became a, a a very common situation where people wanted to do it, and taxing authorities in certain locations were looking at it, we realized that we had to look at the total situation. Uh, I, I we move people for a living on the corporate side of of it. The primary responsibility for the corporate relocation director or manager, whatever you want to say, the mobility director, is compliance. You have to make sure that your policy, your procedures, your people, your companies are completely and totally compliant. And then number two is getting people from point A to point Z. Okay. Now, when you're talking about remote working and how remote working has gone into the mobility arena for the most part, now you're talking about a completely different level of compliance. You're talking about, and I'll get to the tax in a minute. First of all, if somebody wants to go to England, to Spain, and work there for 180 days, and they are not a EU national, they cannot. It's that simple. They don't have the legal right to work in that country. Well, it's just Spain. Well, it's Brexit. Mm. You know, there's a reason why. People would say, well, I'm just going to Canada. And I'd say, well, Canada is not part of the United States. They're just attached. So there was always that 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 immigration compliance issue. 
people also, and, it's, and, and the operating companies, even if somebody had the legal right to work in a location, the operating companies didn't understand the tax issues that were related to it as well. Because as soon as somebody starts doing their quote-unquote job in that location, they could be setting a permanent establishment for that company. So if you have a company that is UK-based, and that is your only location in the UK, and all of your employees are in the UK, and this person decides that they're going to pick everything up and they're going to go to Ibiza and work from the beach. And they have the legal right to do so because they're an EU national. What's now happening is that your company has a permanent establishment, has a physical presence in Spain, and will most likely owe income taxes on the work that that person does in Spain. So you've now set an establishment up there. That person most likely will need to be, based on local employment laws, be on a Spanish contract, be paying you know, Spanish mm-hmm. social taxes, um, have a Spanish uh, tax liability, but also have a UK tax liability. Because their job is in the UK, you know they may very well stay. They 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 may very well may be be caught by the statutory residency test within the UK itself. Right. You know any trips that that person takes back to the UK on business are not business trips; they're commuting costs. The company can't pay for right. them. That's another tax issue that comes about. Mm-hmm. So that is something that came about before. The person mm-hmm. now. Re- has no idea that they're going to have a dual tax liability. The company, a lot of times, don't understand what permanent establishment is. And and they have this kind of issue coming about. Um, I think one of the reasons why, at the beginning of the pandemic, so many companies said, we're letting our employees work from wherever they want in the world. And then Mm -hmm. six months later, they said, actually, no. <laughs> You're ruining it for me, Steve. I was hoping to put in some time in the Bahamas. Bora Bora could do really well. So, um, and and then you've got you've got a, another issue that came about in remote working is IT security. What's yeah. Wi-Fi like? We had somebody who wanted to work in Vanuatu. Okay, now I had to look up where that was, and I looked it up, and I'm like. Are you kidding me? <laughs> okay, Vanuatu is a is a small island and a couple of a couple of islands in literally the middle of the South Pacific, like halfway between Hawaii and Australia. Oh, it sounds like paradise. Wow. Okay, never heard. New definition of remote working. Yeah, and that's a completely new definition of remote working. Our our IT security people, when we brought it up to them, said, "Oh my oh. God, no way." No way are we going to let them, can they work there and, and have confidential data that's going through yeah. the Wi-Fi within yeah. that country. Makes sense. That's a really good observation, actually, because I think a lot of people might not think about the IT on the data security aspect. Yeah. Um, but it's it's absolutely critical. It's a really good yeah, comment. No, it, it is. I mean, w- you know, one of the things that, that, that you should always look at on these remote work issues is immigration, tax, employment law. Um, IT data security. You've got to look at them all. Uh, very valid comment. Um, does that sort of link into the sort of broader conversation around sustainability? I mean, every company, I think, is trying to work really hard and making sure they've got good ESG aspects and making sure we're doing what we can and should be doing as a company and the industry around reducing perhaps our, our, our footprint and making sure we're doing more. Uh, what do you think we as an industry are doing. Are we doing enough? There's more we could do. Is there any other areas uh, that you've seen, or you might have some ideas and suggestions around 
that the industry can do to become to make sure we do as much as we can around sustainability. You know, I, I think um, I, I think every individual company, whether it be on the corporate side or it be a supplier, um, is doing everything that they can um, on an individual basis, individual company company basis to do it. I mean, if you think about what what does our industry entail, it means it's getting people on a plane. You know, yeah, that 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 that's that's leaving yeah. the carbon footprint. It's it's you know, at any point in time. You know, there could be, you know, 80,000 lorries around the world, you know, with goods that have with all the goods from our relocating employees from around the world. You know, and unless all of those go electric, it's very difficult to be able to get that out of there. And let's mm. not even start with the container ships. Um, <laughs> But, but it, you know, it, I, but I think everybody is doing what they can. They're trying to reduce the footprints. And, 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 I, and it, it, it will get to a point where I think people will say, you've done a good job. Um, I think it's just going to take a while because, you know, yeah. almost everything that has to do with a person and, and family getting from point A to point Z is going to leave a carbon footprint. I find um, with with the removal side on the moving side, I've seen incredible change. So, firstly, um, when I started, I used to have files with loads of paper. Mm -hmm. I had one file, that much paper, because we used to print all the emails off. Especially, say for instance, we had auditing, we had to have all that important information in this file. So, if we got audited, they could pick pick up a file, open it up, and say, "Ah, oh, have we done this? Have we done that?" Today. None of my team have paper. There's no paper to be seen. Everything is, um, we've got a fantastic system that helps us through the journey of a file that gives us prompts. We, we save, upload documentation. We're now taking a step further and looking at what we could do with the removal team because, of course, as we know, every move, there's inventories created. We're looking at possibly doing that electronic. Where we've got a demo coming up this Friday to see what we can do be more responsible in that area. The materials we use, are we using recycling materials? Are we reducing our plastic waste, for example, bubble wrap? What other materials could we use? What else is out there? Um, our, our guide looking after the materials is looking at what other materials are available that could be reused because our partners over our network, if, we, if we're using them often, we could be utilizing materials that we could use with, from each other and they could hold and we could use back. Um, collating jobs together so if we've got a job in london if we've got two or three others try and see if we can get them all on the same day to reduce our carbon footprint in that way simple things office have have lights that automatically switch off if you're not if you're not in the toilet switch the light off you know all these little things recycling i've never known an office to be as hot as as, as icon with recycling in the office having this space all these little things make a difference one hundred percent make a difference, and I think all these little things have an impact. Oh, they, they do. do. One little change. There and are. I think and that's we. Sorry, go Steve, go ahead. There, there are, and I don't know if you guys have gotten into this yet, but I have seen companies, and I've actually used them before, where, where, where what they do is is I've actually hired them to go into my employees' houses before they move, and the, then the the companies will go through the house with the employee and say, okay, do you really need to bring all 4,500 square feet of what's in this house with you to the next location. No. Okay, let's figure out what we're going to throw away because it is completely and totally unusable. 
we can't donate it, we can't discard it. Let's figure out what we're going to move. Then through the rest, let's figure out what we can donate to people who actually need it. And then mm-hmm. what can we actually bring to recycle? So there are companies that will do that, which I think is it 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 it, it lowers the weight that we're actually moving. And instead of throwing everything away, it figures out, they figure out, do we, can we donate it to people who actually need it, first of all? Um, and and uh, can we recycle, would recycle whatever's left? And, it, you know, instead of just having huge buckets or bags outside of a house that just left and throwing everything away, you know, it, that, that is one of the ways is trying to lessen the load and, 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 and keep the, Keep the process moving. Uh, okay. I, I know one company that will actually figure out the carbon footprint saved, and after you have saved so much, they plant a tree in the name of the company. We we actually yeah. do well, that. <laughs> We've yeah. that that's um, part of our um, our journey with regards to movements. We report that, and we actually contribute towards tree planting with regards to. Yeah. But um, interesting enough, when you said when we do a survey at that time, we try and ascertain service requirements and what can you know what what are they taking what can be recycled and recently we we've had some storage units where it was rental furniture that we used to have that we used to have properties and all that furniture came out and we've actually just donated all of that to a family that was in need they had nothing they were Mm. desperate and um i was incredibly proud to be part of that journey that as a company we made a difference to a family and it was it was a married couple with two children and um, that's what our industry should should be about it's not just moving people it's also about where else can we help people that are in need and recycling and you know so it's it's, it's, it's exciting Sharon we we do a lot of that and I think that shows in what we've recently achieved with our EcoVardis is all the little steps that we've we've done for us to be able to get gold on EcoVardis. We're mm. extremely proud of us. Yeah, really proud of it. And uh, we're I think the there's a lot company? more we can do still. Um, well, I think we're the only relocation company I know of, relocation moving company that has EcoVardis gold, ISO 14001, carbon neutral, cyber security uh, um, essentials, uh, and some other um, qualifications, 9001, et cetera. So I think that combination, I believe... And I'm happy to be corrected, but I'm pretty sure we're the only company that's got that. And we put a lot of effort and energy into it. Uh, it's great to have some of these ideas, Steve, as well. I think this is it's lovely feedback coming back. And I'll just uh, ask a sort of a, a related question as well. Uh, one of the things we, we talked about earlier is we put a lot of energy and effort into technology. We have firm belief in data, having all the right data in the right place at the right time for the right person is absolutely es- essential. Um, however, from your perspective, do you have any views about what the relocating assignee sees uh, technology is going to play in the future of the relocation journey for them? One of the things that we're looking at, because because the individuals that we're moving um, are, are a lot now are a lot different and, and have different expectations than we did 10 or 15 years ago. Um, the, 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 the smartphone, the tablet, the, 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 all the information in your hand all at once kind of situation makes things easier for us to be able to work with the transferring employee and their family. Why is because you don't have to wait for somebody to get to a phone. If you want to have a conversation with them, you don't have to wait for them to get to their email to have a conversation with them. If they have a question, they can go on the icon app and ask Sharon and 
you know, their team the question right away. They could be walking down Broadway on 48th Street and say, oh my God, I need to know this and automatically be able to get that note out and get an answer pretty quickly. They don't have to wait until they get somewhere. Um, where are my goods? You can find out right away. Um, when does my temporary living end? You can find out right away. Um, when's my appointment with the real estate brokers to find out? You can find out right away. Um, the technology will give them the information that they need when they need it, which is what you know. A lot of people, it, I, I think, it's brilliant in the, in the in the way that it's worked out that way. Um, I just think that that you know companies have to take the time um, to remember to continually update their technology because I've seen technology that has come out that has never been updated and the people who didn't update their technology have been surpassed by everybody else behind them. If you look at the demographics, you know, the 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 the, the fifty plus, the forty five or the forty to fifty, you know, they're kind of waning. They're kind of settled. They're where they are. You're looking at the twenty two to forty year olds and especially the twenty five to thirty five year olds they're the ones that are that are upwardly mobile at this point in time, and they're going all the all, all over the world. And honestly, if they can't get it on their phone, then you know they don't want to see it. Right, so I, I couldn't I think, agree with you more. Uh, yeah. I have to say this is one of my favorite conversations at the moment. So if anybody knows me, they'll know I can talk about this for hours. It it is fascinating. We 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 built recently our, our cozy app, which allows the relocating society to get all this information plus a lot more. They can find out what what's going on in the housing market. They can try and work out which areas are right for them. There's a chat bot in there we're very proud of, which will answer a lot of those questions. And I think your comments about the fact that this sort of next generation through is expecting this as standard. I think historically this was seen as a nice extra, but I think moving forward, that's not the case anymore. It's, it's, it's just got to be there and it's got mm -hmm. to work and it's got to be available 24-7. So yeah, that's a really insightful comment, Steve. Thank you. My pleasure. Every once in a while, I'll get one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's why we have you on the call. <laughs> uh, fantastic. Uh, this is really enjoyable. I have to say, Steve, this is, uh, has been a great conversation. Um, uh, so this has been just brilliant. I have to say thank you so much for taking part, Steve. This has been amazing. Uh, thank you for everything we, you, you've done. Yes, thank uh, you. I look forward to an opportunity to speak to you further on this and, <clears throat> and other yep. related issues. You're clearly, your knowledge on this is extraordinary. So thank you again. Thank you. Thank and you. really, thank you. Thank you for listening. We'll be back next time with another episode on everything global mobility. If you enjoyed our show, please remember to share, comment and subscribe on your favourite podcast player or follow us on social media for more from us.